Welcome to The Heightening, a place for those who are answering the call of God to fulfill God's purpose in their lives. We are women who are being elevated to a level of intentionality and empowerment to lead the life we were created to live. Please welcome our host, Yolanda Caldwell. I would like to welcome you to another episode of The Heightening. Today we have with us Mallory Rothstein. She is a woman of faith who is on a mission to help teens and assistants level up on their personal development journey to fulfill their purpose and have greater business impact. She found Learn What Matters and More Than an Admin to be able to fulfill that mission. In 2016, Mallory joined Google as an administrative business partner in search ads. She since then supported 20 plus leaders in search ads and people operations. She is a TEDx speaker and already booked another TEDx in 2022 because she is someone always full of ideas worth sharing. Ladies of the Heightening, please join me in welcoming Mallory. Hi, Mallory. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I love, you know, what you're doing with this podcast. Thank you. Listen, a lot of times when I interact with people, they want to know how I met the person or how I know the person. And I have to admit, Mallory, you are one of the first people that I met in Clubhouse. Oh, yes. I, you know, it's so funny. I've done, um, I haven't done so many rooms, but the rooms that I have hosted I've had so many people say, you're the first person that I met on Clubhouse. You're the first room I spoke up in on Clubhouse, which I always think is like an honor. I love that. So I love that you're you're saying that I'm one of the first people that you met. And I think it's because of the way that you um, present yourself and how you're open and that you want to hear um, from other people. Tell us a little bit about your experience on Clubhouse. Actually, some people may be even wondering, what is Clubhouse? So let's start there. Yeah, so Clubhouse um, is like a group audio chat app. That's how I kind of explain it. It's almost like a live podcast where you can actually interact with the people who are um, hosting or, or moderating. And for me, my experience has been really good. And then also some challenges that I had along the way. I mean, I was on it so much December to February. I was like not sleeping. I loved it. I was interacting with so many people that I would have never had access to. And then February, I was realizing I'm in the middle of like a cross country move. My calendar is so crazy because everyone that I meet on off Clubhouse, I'm very much like Clubhouse is great, but like, let's kind of meet off Clubhouse and have like um, a different kind of conversation. And then people are reaching out to me. And so I t I've taken a little bit of a break for the last month and a half. Not, I mean, I'm still on there. I'm still listening. I'm just going on way more intentional and not ruining my sleep cycle over it because it is addicting and it's a great app to, like I said, connect with people. And so um, I really encourage people if they they want to and they can have their limits to definitely check it out if you have. I think right now it's only for iPhone users and they're probably going to come out with the Android version. I think within the next couple of months, they said by the end of the year. Listen, Mallory, you like so many others and myself, your, your first foray into Clubhouse definitely messes up sleep patterns. But the other part that happens is you get so many ideas and you're, it's energizing. 
Yes. And that for me, I'm such an ideas person that what was happening for me is I had so many ideas that I wanted to do and then I wasn't implementing anything. And that was my big problem is I have probably a thousand ideas from Clubhouse, but I'm like, Mallory, you just need to launch your website. You just need to do this. You need you need to get off Clubhouse and spend some time doing all the things that you're learning. So it's like <laughs> I'm in the middle of writing my book. I feel like I know how to monetize my book. I know how to market my book, but my book's not done. So I tell a lot of people again, like go on for an hour, learn your ideas and then go implement something because I, that's again, something that like from December to February, I was in idea mode all hours of the night. I, I just had so many amazing ideas. Um, I feel as though I'm out of, I'm, I have enough ideas for like two lifetimes. Um, and now I'm trying to really do the implementation phase. I think you have said a mouthful with that. Um, when I got on the first, I think the first room I went in, I started hearing some information and I went and I grabbed a notebook, not my normal notebook. I actually picked one that said, this is my clubhouse notebook. Mm -hmm. And I started writing and I started writing down ideas. And I agree with you. I have enough information for two, I'll, I'll go with you, two lifetimes. There is enough information there for me to move forward. And like you said, I had to become more intentional mm -hmm. and in becoming more intentional, I see how things are becoming um, better, not only for me, but for the women that I serve on the heightening. And if you, I think what Clubhouse is really good for is if you already have a brand or you already have products or services that you're selling, it's amazing to monetize. But you're, if you're still in like the, um, you have something, but you need to finish executing. What I was realizing again, it was a big distraction for me because people are like, oh my gosh, your ideas are great. How do I buy your book? Or how do I do this? I'm like, shoot, my book is like not out yet. Like, you know, and so I was getting all this attention and I'm like, wait, I actually need like a month or two to just launch everything and then go back on. And that's kind of what now I've been trying to do is I, I host my own weekly rooms for assistance. And then I kind of go on here or there if I uh, want to listen to something. What time is your room? My room is on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And it's for assistance. And we usually have a topic and we talk for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And it's been really great. Again, I've, I've met so many different assistants from all over the world. That I would have never thought that I would have come into contact with. So let's talk about that. Tell us what you do and tell us why you're doing a room for assistance and ad administration team members. Yeah. So I do a lot of things, but my, I'd say like, you know, nine to five is I work at Google as an administrative business partner. That's a fancy word for executive assistant. And I support four different leaders in their search ads, engineering uh, spa uh, space. And, um, you know, it's funny because people always say like, oh, your assistant, you could be doing so much more. You can go into another role. But I've had opportunities to become program managers or leave Google and become different roles somewhere else. And I've turned them down because I love, honestly, the, the role that I have. It's perfect for me what I want to do long term. And I've had so much more impact, even on the team. Like a lot of people are like, you work for ads. I'm like, do you know that ads makes the most money for Google? So the amount of resources that we have and that I can do to put into different programming and different opportunities that I have. A lot of other people don't. And so um, why I'm super passionate. And then I also founded something called More Than an Admin. 
So I have an internal talk series at Google that's monthly. Then I have this external kind of organization right now that I'm building, kind of my brand, but more than an admin. And um, it's all about really helping assistants figure out, you know, who they are and how can they leverage who they are, especially outside of just even their core role to, you know, fulfill their purpose and have greater business impact. And I really believe that, you know, even entrepreneurs, business leaders, politicians, whoever under a lot of them are underutilizing their assistants and they're not respecting or investing in them enough to realize that it's actually going to help you help them with their business. Even I say I help my my executives with their mental health, just figuring out how to, you know, have their schedule a certain way, um, how to make sure that they're less overwhelmed. And so for me, um, you know, I, I love being an assistant. I'm not going to necessarily be that forever. I never thought I'd be an assistant when I was growing up. I always wanted to be the boss. But when I got the opportunity, when I first graduated from college, looking back, it's like, oh, God was really setting me up. He, I just didn't know his plan at the time, but I'm like, oh, I'm so grateful that, um, that it worked out that way for me. So that's really what I'm all about is I'm, you know, this assistant at Google and really trying to showcase people through my actions. Assistance could be more than just, you know, calendaring and assistants are more than just an assistant. We, you know, do so many other things. There's so many other aspects of ourselves. And I, and I will say, you know, a lot of the presentations that I do at Google, I mentioned that I'm a Christian. I mentioned that I'm a woman of faith. I, if I ever tell people kind of my pregame routine for any of my speaking engagements, I'll say that I listen to a certain worship song. And I cannot tell you how many people at Google have messaged me specifically and said, I cannot believe that you brought your faith so like casually, like you just brought it up because I've always wanted to do that. And I felt so awkward. And for me, it's like very, it's not like I'm preaching or anything, but I'm, I, it's part of who I am. I think it's really important that people know that when I show up every day, that aspect of me is important and definitely leads me as an assistant. Um, so that's another kind of just, you know, aspect of me. You know, Mallory, you have really helped someone understand a couple of things. One, there's someone that's listening today that's like, wait a minute. I, I am an admin, but I am so much more than, like you said, calendaring and um, taking minutes. I, I bring more to the table. And if they don't, now they know they can, that they can start looking for other opportunities. And, you know, you said something about, you know, you wanted to be the boss. I will be completely honest with you. My business is, this year will be 20 years old. And my person. I don't want to call her my assistant, but I literally, there was a joke in our, in our office that she was my second brain that, you know, even though my name was, you know, as the owner, the person who really ran the business was her. She (laughs) made sure that I was ready for whatever was happening. So you're right. Um, and again, I don't like, and maybe this is me, something I need to work on. Um, but you're right. They admins are more than, and Mm -hmm. I really hope that as people listen to this, even those listeners who are bosses, that they take a look, a fresh perspective about the team that is supporting them in leading the organization. And I'll give you a, like two very quick short examples is like something that my manager does that I love about him is during his staff meetings, he'll, he'll say, hey, Mallory, do you have anything that you want to add? 
Like if he doesn't hear me speaking, I'm someone that usually does share my opinion, but he every time will say, are you sure? Are you sure you don't have an idea? And then the second thing is that um, my one of the other executives I support, he wanted to host this career tech talk series for his team. That's monthly. We would um, interview different leaders in ads or at Google, really. And so he said, I said to him, oh, who's going to host? Because I mean, I, I didn't know if he had someone in mind and I thought it was going to be him. And he's like, oh, I don't I don't know. And I, I was like, why don't I do it? Because I'm trying to, you know, up my speaking. And he was like, OK. And now that I've done it three times, I have gotten so many people to write my manager about like, wow, Mallory's good at this. This is a good thing for her to do. Thank you so much. I just had someone ask me yesterday, like, your questions were so good. Can you send me the list of questions? And I think like that little thing, like really impressed them to be like, oh, you know, I didn't know that you could really host these things. Like now, like, let's find you more opportunities and, you know, again, like if you just ask your assistant, do you have, do you want to host or do you want to learn this? Is this something that maybe you can try out and it's not a huge risky situation? I think that people would be very surprised on how much more assistants can do or the, the ideas that they can have that sometimes some assistants just don't have, you know, the confidence yet to be able to just willingly share it. They want their manager or the people on their team to kind of ask them for it. Um, and I'm trying to help assistants also be able to have that confidence and be proactive and not be shy to share with the people that they support too. Mallory, that is amazing. And I'm so glad that you're here with us. Um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Mallory's going to tell us how she lives the AIE life. We want to thank our sponsor of today's episode, The Heightening. The Heightening has introduced this year a new affirmation pack. So please visit www.theheightening.com to get information about Evolution of a Queen, the affirmation pack that will help you live the life that you were created to live. Before the break, I asked you, Mallory, how do you live the AIE life? Please share. Yes, for me, I think it's really important to understand first who you are. I don't think, I think some people think they're living an authentic life, but they actually don't really know themselves. So for me, what's really important is I'm constantly checking in with myself. Who am I? Who do I want to become? You know, I, I'm asking myself a lot of these questions and then I'm making sure that I'm taking steps and that also just people know who I am and to be authentic you know, I, I sometimes don't know, you know, if you're showing up authentic, if I don't know, if I don't know you every single day and, and I don't know you for a long period of time, you could be showcasing something to me that I think is authentic and, and maybe really isn't. And so for me, it's it's really making sure I know who I am, the people around me know who I am, and I really lead by example. So I'll never ask people, you know, if, when I do a podcast, I'll, ever, I'll never ask people questions that I don't feel comfortable answering myself. I never ask people to do things that I don't feel comfortable, even just like, you know, searching for a romantic partner now. I'm making sure that I am the person that I want to attract. Like, you know, I'm trying to get my sleep pattern right. I'm trying to get my health right because I want to attract a partner that is health focused, that can, you know, sleep at a normal hour. And so really, um, you know, expecting people the same thing that you would expect. And I just think, again, I think if there's one, there's two words maybe that people would describe me, I really believe it would be authentic and passionate. And um, again, I think it's just how every single day of my life, I don't sacrifice who I am. 
um, so much just to, you know, be part of a certain crowd. I've never, I could have taken a lot of different investors throughout my career for learn what matters or more than an admin. And I've turned down certain people cause it didn't feel right to like me and my brand. And, um, and I didn't want to scale really quickly. And that's something for me that's authentic is I'm not looking to become the next Uber tomorrow. I'm really trying to scale slowly, really focus on quality, not rush things. That's me. Um, and so, yeah, so just making sure I'm very self-aware making sure my actions really reflect who I say I am. Um, that doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it just means that you're really, 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 um, making an intentional effort, um, and not expecting other people to be authentic if you're not living an authentic life. You know, that is very powerful for a young woman to be able to, understand that and be very tuned into her purpose. And I'm, I believe that comes from your, your faith, Mm -hmm. being connected and understanding who you are, not only in the world, but who you are um, in the eyes of God. So that is amazing that you're able to share that. You've also done something that I believe something I've never done. And Mm -hmm. I would love to do. You've taken a solo trip. And I mean, I've done a solo trip, like I've traveled a couple of hours or another state or things like that. Or I've even, I have traveled internationally for business, but you Mm -hmm. traveled internationally. Um, Tell us a little bit about your solo trip. Yes. And you know, what's funny is I just want to say one thing before that is I spent a lot of time alone. And I think that I'm realizing in the last few months, because I've spent a lot of time alone and embraced it. I've really gotten to know myself. People ask me, Mallory, how are you so self-aware? How do you know, how do you know some of these things? I spent a lot of time alone in my life. I mean, I lived in California without family and friends for four and a half years. And I really got to know myself. So with um, the solo trip, so it's kind of funny. I actually booked the trip because I had fell in love with this guy when I was living in California and he lost his visa. And he was living in South Africa. So I'm like, we're like talking all this stuff. I'm going to book this trip. Everything's great. And then I booked the trip and literally like 28 hours, like right after I could get a refund. He's like, I don't know if I have the same feelings for you. And I don't know if you should come. And I'm like, I just booked a trip to a country, to a continent I've never been to. I can't get my money back. And my, my family, my friends were like, you're not going to go, right. You're not going to go. You, and then, you know, I was like, actually, there's a reason that this happened. Again, I, I was in, I was in a really dark place besides that. I had like, uh, I was in this like crazy unexpected lawsuit won my case, but like, it was really a dark period in my life. And I was like, you know what? God is leading me to this country, this continent for a reason. And I went and it was this two week trip. I basically gave myself no budget and I, cause for me, it was like, I had to care about my safety. I had to make sure that if I went on excursions, there was a ton of people around. It was with, you know, um, and I was booking this, all this stuff really last minute because I had thought I was going to have free housing. This guy was like, we're going to go on all these trips together. So I'm like, Oh, I don't have to plan anything. So I had to plan all this stuff and then make sure like my family and friends knew with it. And I can tell you it was hands down the best two weeks of my entire life still. 
I learned so much about myself. I, you know, just navigating a new country, not knowing anyone, it forced me to really stretch myself and be outside of my comfort zone. I had a new faith, like my faith was restored. I, I cannot tell you how much I fell in love with everyone in South Africa. I was telling them that they pretty, I pretty much feel as though I've kept that country alive because of how much money I spent there. I was buying everything. I was tipping everyone great. I was like, this is the best country in the entire world. I made a lot of friends. I also went to Hillsong in South Africa in two different um, locations, which was really important to me because I had wanted to go to a church there and I had um, been part of Hillsong in San Francisco. So like, this is amazing. And it was for me a little bit of a safety thing. Like I felt like, oh, you know, if I know people from Hillsong in those places, if God forbid something were to happen, I could call up people and rely on people that um, are people of faith, that are Christians that could potentially helped me. So th that was amazing. I went free falling and it was very um, scary. It's like, the, I think it's the highest free falling spot in the world. I was going to go bungee jumping, but like the bungee jumping team apparently was at lunch. And so they're like, oh, if you don't want to go bungee jumping, there's like this thing called free falling. Do you want to watch the video? I'm like, don't let me watch the video or I won't do it. So I signed up. And for me, it was like a very um, big kind of uh, symbolism and very cathartic because I was trying to like let go of a lot of things that had happened to me in my life. I just I guess I was like going to do this crazy activity and just fall and again, trust God that he's going to catch me and keep me alive and everything. And it really it, that trip, I, I don't necessarily think every single person, if they want to um, travel for the first time, should just go to another country for two weeks. But I had done a lot of travel before that kind of led up to this. So I knew a lot of the street smarts. I knew a lot of the safety stuff, but it, it was the best thing. And even though I, you know, I ended up seeing that guy and he's very nice and I like there's no bad blood, but. I went there thinking I was going to find love and I really left finding myself and finding a greater purpose and finding God more. And I, I just, I can't wait to go back to South Africa. That's like a big thing for me. I made so many friends there and with COVID I was planning on going back last November, but I'm hoping maybe in 2022 I can, uh, can go back there. Cause it, it will always be a special place for me. You know, you said you went to find love and you did find love. You found love of yourself. Yes. Yes, I exactly. And that's most important. I, re I really believe. Um, and, and, and a greater love for God, to be honest, because I, like I said, I was in a really bad spot. Um, I signed my settlement agreement, like in my favor, the day I got to Africa, the day I got to South Africa. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, it, it was just such a, such an amazing trip um, that I could have. I, can I ask how old you were when you took that trip? I was um, 26. Amazing. And, yeah. Um, and, and for me, traveling is, I, when I grew up, my, one of the best things my grandma did, one of my grandmas did was give me a library card. And she said, you're going to read a lot of books. And so what I did, I was like, I literally would go through all the stacks. The library became my safe haven. And I, there was a section um, for young, probably teens or people that were young on different countries. And I spent 
I would take, I kid you not, a book on every single country. And I read them all that I could. And that really gave me a huge, like, uh, wanderlust to like travel and to learn about new cultures and to respect people. And that really was a very influential thing that I did at a young age that I knew that I always had wanted to see different places. And so um, that that really, I think when people ask me like, why, why, how did you get into traveling? That was a huge thing for me. It was just reading a lot of books and wanting to travel to the places I read about. So you have another thing that I love about you um, that I would love to get more information. I'm sure many of our listeners would like to hear. You are a TEDx speaker. Tell us about that experience and tell us why you did it um, and why you're going to do it again. Yes. So I had always grown up kind of watching TED Talks for as long as I can really remember. Definitely in college, I was more interested in TEDx and TED Talks than I was probably some of the content I was um, watching and, you know, listening to. And it was at the end of 2019, where again, I had come back from this trip. And I mean, I had right before that trip, I had went into the hospital, actually it starts before I went into the hospital. And I promised myself I, I had gone to the hospital at least once a year since I was probably, I think 19 or 20. Because of stress, I always thought that I was having some kind of panic attack, heart attack, I just had, I was going through a lot of trauma and stress, and it was causing me to go to the hospital. When I went to the hospital in 2019, I promised myself, you will never go back to the hospital for anything stress related. You just won't. And I made a list and I still have it. And it was like, what are going to be my big goals? And they were like stretch goals for me. And one of them was like TEDx speaker. And I had TEDx speaker, I think by the end of 2020, something like that. And so I, just like you, I'm like, okay, I got to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And I started applying. Um, and I, I applied to like seven of them. And to be honest, I like really wanted it, but I didn't think I was really going to get it. And I was applying to so many random ones. And then I think January, yeah, early January, I got an email that was like, congrats, you like are, you know, going to be, you know, a TEDx speaker. And the one was for like a month away. Now I'm thinking normally when you give a TEDx talk, you have like six months in advance. I, and the crazy thing was the application that I did. I did not like think that that was my best one. I just kind of, sometimes I kind of like rush things. I'm like, let's just see what God wants. If he wants it, then this bad application will work, whatever. And like, you had to do like a, an optional, video. you had to do like this optional video that I didn't even do. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get this. And of course I got it. And then I'm like, shoot, I have to like really come up with this thing for the next, like a month away. And it was funny because when I told my family, none of them knew what TEDx was. So I'm like really excited. I'm like, dad, I'm giving a TEDx. He's like, what's that? I'm like, my brother, I'm giving a TEDx. My mom, I'm giving a TEDx. They're all like, what is that? I'm like, oh my gosh, these are like not the people that I need to ask first. So I'm like, who's going to be the first person to be like, oh my gosh, a TEDx talk. Um, and so what's, what my strategy was, was I at the time was really focused just on high school students. So I wanted to speak at, I thought it would be easier for me to speak at a high school TEDx and it would reach my audience. So I tell people a tip is if you really do want to give a TEDx talk, don't just look for the big, big ones, look for the smaller ones, because also it's really good practice because it, like it is nerve wracking. I don't think I was ever more nerve wracking for another talk than this one. 
and it's on a smaller stage. I mean, some people, you know, they're, they've done a lot of speaking, but like for me, like I hadn't been on like tons of big stages before. So it was perfect for me. I felt and then um, I was really lucky because the high school is very like flexible and very chill. And they were just kind of like, we trust you because most of the speakers were students. I think I was one of maybe two or three actually adult speakers. And what is what a lot of people don't know about what happened to me is I got very sick before the te my TEDx talk for the, the two weeks before. So what you see me giving my TEDx talk is the first time or I... One, I did one rehearsal round, but it's the second time that I even said the speech out loud because I lost my voice completely. And I, once I lost my voice, I could not, I was so afraid that if I practiced, I was not going to have a voice for my actual talk. So you can't see it, but I actually had like a water bottle on the side of the stage. And as soon as I got off, I like ran out and I had like this whole coughing attack and I was so lucky again, like God got me through it for like those eight minutes or nine minutes that my talk was. And so I always tell people like, whether you like the talk or not, for me, the accomplishment is like, I didn't fall off stage and I didn't cough once. And I just kind of did it despite how bad and sick I was right before then. So um, I would say if I can do it, you can do it. It's really not that hard to get a TEDx talk. What's hard is just making sure that your idea fits their theme. And, um, you know, it, it's not that bad. You just have to go make sure you, you know, find out on the TEDx website what the events are. I made a huge spreadsheet of like 50 TEDx ones. I contacted all either the organizers or I filled out the application and just made sure my idea was like what I felt unique that I didn't see any other TEDx um, speakers speaking about. I made sure that it fit the theme. And I try to make my application fun and just like someone that I'm flexible, if they had any ideas to make my idea better. So um, if anyone wants to be a TEDx speaker, I really encourage you to apply and find one that fits you, fits you and whatever you want to talk about. Valerie, you have a passion for teens. Yes. And as I'll also share another secret with everybody, mm -hmm. both of us are Jersey girls. Yes. Nothing like a Jersey girl. Yes. Uh, and we both have passion for teens. So tell us a little bit about what you do for teens, why you have a passion for teens, and also how are teens and admins alike? Yeah. So it's very funny that you <laughs> that up. That's a great question that no one's asked me before. So for me, like um, the reason why I'm so passionate about teens first off is I got bullied. I lost a lot of my friends when mm -hmm. I was younger and I went through a really dark period of time. And the way that I got out of it was I watched Oprah. I watched all these other shows, but Oprah was like, is the goat to me. Like, I love her. I hope one day I can meet her. I got to interview her former chief of staff a few months ago. And I was like, wow, this is like so crazy that I'm doing this. And, um, there was no, there was nothing that I felt like uh, was content for teens that was like fun that tr that treated teens like they were adults, like young adults. That was about like personal development, self awareness, health and wellness when I was younger, and um, I wanted to be kind of like my inspiration is kind of like be like the next generation is kind of like Oprah, like in a way, and have content that's really fun and again treats. Adult, uh, teens like they're young adults takes them seriously and I I felt like there wasn't a lot for self-awareness and personal development in the way that I wanted to do it with teens today 
And when I started speaking with different teens, they actually were very receptive to it. There was not like, oh, what is this? And I think it was just my approach of being very real with them about why I wanted to share with them about personal development, self-awareness, what I had went through in my life, and really trying to make sure that when they turn 18, they know who they are. I think that that's really important. Um, And so I do some coaching. I run my own scholarship fund at my high school. um, And I really tried to help Um, And this is what my TEDx talk is about, help people go back to their high school and really engage as an alumni, even if it's one small thing, even if you just go back and speak to one student, you speak to one class, I really think that there's power in that and helping the next generation feel supported, learn from what you did when you went to the same school, if your school is still available. I know some people's schools, they've been, um, you know, they're they're not the same school that it once was. And then... um, you know, as I was building this kind of um, coming up with this idea at Google, I would speak to a lot of different assistants about personal development, self-awareness, and kind of realized that like a lot of these assistants were struggling with the same exact stuff. Like they didn't know who they were. They felt like they had just kind of like gotten into this role and didn't know if it was the right role for them. And all these things that I was speaking to a lot of high school students about, obviously the messaging is a little bit different. But I was, I realized, oh, wow, I'm doing so much mentorship and coaching at Google. I'm speaking at all these summits. I kind of want to create my own thing for assistance that's, you know, similar, not the same. And I didn't see anyone else in the space, again, that was doing it the way that I wanted to do it. A lot of people are focused on how do you be the best assistant, like a technical assistant? Like, how do you know the tools? How do you um, know things that are very focused on being an amazing assistant? My thing, I mean, it will help you become an amazing assistant, but they're more focused on, again, who are you as an individual? How do you get the most? How do you leverage yourself and make the most out of this role? You know, again, there are some people that are in this role and they don't realize that they can actually use it as a stepping stone to get to where maybe they really want to be. They don't have to give up on their dreams or they can find that they actually love the role and they can find greater purpose in it if they know how to, you know, tell their manager you know, different aspects of themselves that they want to bring into the role. Again, some people love to speak. And I'm like, why aren't you speaking as an assistant on your team? Why aren't you hosting um, and really uh, making yourself seem as like a thought leader for your team to respect? And so, um, so yeah, so that's kind of, you know, why teens and assistants, I didn't want to give up my stuff for teens. I'm more focused a little bit now on the executive assistant and assistant okay. world. But I still have the scholarship, um, still go back to my high school whenever I can and try to encourage other people. And uh, and yeah, so that, that's kind of like, again, the inspiration behind working with teens. And and I, I just love the high school age. Um, I feel as though that they're old enough to kind of, you know, uh, they, they know a lot. And I feel as though that they're actually that you can totally change someone's entire trajectory of their life in high school and their potentially their entire family trajectory of their life, you know, whether college is right for them, whether they should um, pursue a certain career, all of that stuff is really molded, I believe, in high school. Um, Or at least, you know, that again, that's the age that I'm really love to work with. And I think that I've definitely helped a lot of different high school students, whether it's just like one session with them, just talking with them or not just because I listen, that's another big thing. Like students, I feel that you want someone that listens to them, again, treats them like they are not a baby and really provides 
not only advice, but where your advice is stemming from. Is it stemming from research? Is it stemming from your own experiences? I think that they need to hear certain stories and I need to hear from people that are not just trying to live these perfect lives to really showcase, you know, the failures. And, and when I went back to my high school, not, not one student asked me about, oh, how is it to work at Google? Like, I thought I was going to get all those questions. All the questions I got were like about my failures. Oh my gosh, how did you get, um, how did you um, become a speaker when you were bullied? How did you get past bullying? All these were the questions that I was getting more based on my failures and my successes. Mallory, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me to have this conversation. There are so many things that our listeners are going to take away from it. And out of all of the stuff that you shared, it's very interesting how we're wrapping this up. People want to understand how we succeed or rebound after a failure. That's what helps us be authentic, intentional, and empowered is understanding how to get up after we fall. I love that. And that's really the story of my life is being, you know, put down a lot of times. But the one thing that people know about me is that I'm always going to get up. I will never give up. There's been a lot of times where I thought I might, um, but I really will never, ever, ever give up. And that I think is really when you look at people and where, why they're successful and why I tell myself that I'm hopefully going to be you know, even more successful one day is this idea of never giving up and really having true faith. You know, ending it on that too is having real faith. A lot of people like to talk about having faith, but having real faith is really believing that you know, when you get up, it, it will get better one day. And that's what I've really been able to hone in on is just having real faith. Thank you again, ladies of the heightening. I hope that you have gained so much insight from our conversation today with Mallory. Thank you for joining us for this episode. And we pray that you continue to live that authentic, intentional, and empowered life. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. Please visit us at www.theheightening.com.